So this nifty little thing, apparently, when I thought I was buying Charmin toilet paper, I bought five toilet cover seats to go. Hi everyone, I'm Chriselle Fulmer. And I'm Natalia Bonner. Welcome um, to The Unalike Podcast. We're excited that you're here and thanks for joining us, whether you're listening or if you're tuning in via YouTube and watching the video, we are so excited to be spending a little bit of time with you today. So I wanna kick things right off and tell you the story of a little boy who said, if someone had to die, I thought it should be me. Six years old and that was the first thing that he said. Um, when someone asked him after the fact, why he decided to dive in and intervene a dog that was charging for his younger sister. So this is a six-year-old boy who lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and he has been making national news over the past week or so because that's what happened. A German shepherd charging down the street, coming after his sister. I think she's four. Crazy. And uh, he dove in. He broke up that fight. He dove in between the dog and his sister. And they said that he did, in fact, get attacked. He, when all was said and done, had uh, bites all over his face, more than 90 stitches. Wow. Throughout his face, um, an hour and a half to two hours in surgery. And so the whole world is stunned by this little boy who said, I thought that if someone had to die, it should be me. That's amazing. I can't even imagine. I would hope I would have the same reaction, but that's amazing that a child of that age could do that. I can't imagine my children. <laughs> I would hope they would do something like that, but that's truly amazing. Yeah. A six-year-old could do that. Have you ever been involved in a dog fight? Yes, I have, kind of. <laughs> and it was scary. It wasn't me that was involved. I saw two dogs fight, and that scared me to death, knowing how much force. I love animals, but they, yeah, you know, they can really, it can be a terrifying moment, and that's amazing that he would have, you know, the flight or flight fight or flight instinct that he fought. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So six-year-old Bridger, uh, his aunt ended up going to social media and put a plea out to the real life superheroes asking them if they wouldn't take a minute to send a shout out. And it worked. He has had all kinds of celebrities reaching out, sending him personal videos. And his aunt's been sharing some of those back on Instagram. So you can go over, like Chris Evans recorded a video, and, and then they did a collage where they played the video and they, they share Chris Evans giving his, his thoughts to Bridger. But the family then recorded Bridger's reaction while he watched the video. So they played the two side by side, um, getting a lot of support because he has proven that He's what superheroes really are made of. He is. And I love that. I love hearing that stuff because we need more of this in our lives. Mm -hmm. I need more positivity in my life. I'm sure we all do. And yes, there are still good, really awesome people in this world, yeah. even if they're six years old. <laughs> <laughs> Age does not matter. It doesn't. So we're here doing the podcast and uh, we wanted to take a minute to give you a little bit more of an idea of what you can expect as you move forward with us and, and tune in. We are looking to do this on a weekly basis and so we will be um, bringing out fresh content each week. But we also wanted to let you know what you can expect <laughs> and what you will not expect or what you should not expect. So um, one of the things that we want all of you to know is that this is not a crime podcast. No. We like the crime shows. I like them. I'm not going to... We leave them to the experts. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, We're not going to talk about politics. Not political at all. Mm-mm. We care about politics. But, but we, we're not the experts. We're not the political analysts. No. So don't come here for that. <laughs> no. Um, we're not desperate housewives. No. We are actually both, though. We're wives, but we're working moms. We're happily married. Mm-hmm. I don't not think to each other. I don't think we're desperate. We have husbands. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to find that here. And uh, what else? Um, positive. Expect positivity from us. Mm -hmm. I think our ultimate goal here is just to share joy and love and happiness and the good in the world. So you've been through a lot. You have... Um, and we're going to get into this a little later in the show, but you, you've you been through some situations that have given you an opportunity to choose how to react. Mm -hmm. And I think you've kind of taken this on as your motto. I have. So. 
I definitely have. And kind of expanding on that a couple of years ago, probably four or five years ago, I sent out our family Christmas card. And at that time, I chose this quote. And it's like my life quote. And it's, be the good you wish to see in the world. So ever since I saw that quote, I have honestly made it my mission to just spread positivity. Sometimes the negativity definitely does get me down. And I think all of us have that. It's frustrating and it's so hard when you look at the media and other things like that. But when you take a step back and be like, maybe if I start within myself and try to portray positivity, yeah. I'm going to get more positivity in return. So that's my ultimate motto in life. I don't care what you are, who you are, where you come from, what you do. Just be kind. Okay, say that again for all of us because I think we need to be writing it down. <laughs> I don't care who you are, what you are, where you came from, anything. I do not care as long as you're kind so to what, everybody. <clears throat> so I don't care. Motto? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas card. Okay, so my favorite quote is, be the good you wish to see in the world. I love that. Be the good you wish to see in the world. Um, so two working moms and uh, we both have day jobs. And so this is something that we're doing on the side, something that we're having fun with. We've known each other for a really long time. Yes. <laughs> I think as long as I can remember, I've known you. I would probably say the same. <laughs> <laughs> we both grew up in a small town and uh, we've both moved away from that small town, but we were raised with very similar values mm -hmm. and uh, we grew up and we found ourselves and we've gone different directions and realized that today we're very unalike. Yes. We're very alike in a lot of ways. You know, we have a very similar upbringing and things like that. But at the same time, well, first of all, she's blonde and more fair skin. I'm very dark and, and more olive complexion. So we're very unlike in many ways, not just our physical appearances, but just in life in general, we've both had completely, like you said, different experiences. I've spent all of my life, I've moved around quite a bit, but living in the same state. Whereas you've spent your life living all over in many different places, you know? Yeah, so I've been in a few different states. We have a very similar, but we're, again, very unalike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today we're back in the same state, but mm -hmm. I live in the mountains and I'm surrounded by ski resorts. And I live in the desert where it's very, very, very hot, but we do have palm trees. So, so there's a positivity. <laughs> because I, I've come to visit you before during the month of February mm -hmm. and we swam in your outdoor pool. Yes, it's... Amazing. So <laughs> at, at my house in February, we're walking through four feet of snow. Yes. Sometimes we get snow and you get out your broom and you just sweep it off your driveway and then it melts. <laughs> I can't <laughs> but, uh, even imagine. Where we, we both grew up in a town that had a lot of snow as children and that included like, you know, one winter we had like four feet of snow. So I really do not enjoy the snow. That's why I tried or chose to live away from the snow. Apparently, you enjoy snow. <laughs> I don't. I just keep ending up there. I, I keep, my life keeps taking me back there. So um, we finished high school, and then I went on to college, and I took the traditional route, go to school, get a four-year degree, and find a job. And we'll talk more about this in a minute, but I actually went right into the trade industry right after I was out of high school. I kind of did not take the conventional route, and I've never done anything conventional, so... We have completely, as far as careers, all of that, completely different types of careers. You leave your home and go to a job. Well, until recently, but <laughs> you used <laughs> to leave your home that and, changed. and go to a job. And I've pretty much worked from home for the last 13 years. Mm -hmm. So just completely unalike. Yeah, very unalike. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So after college, okay, then we both needed to get married. And <laughs> I don't know if need is the right word, but we, we chose did that. And, uh, so t I, I'm a divorced widow and I have been able to find love once again, very happily remarried, but uh, it, it's a crazy story. And I, I ended up here, um, today with the man who I love, but very <laughs> unconventional way to find him. Yeah. And I, right after I was out of high school was set up by a family friend, two family friends set us up and, 
we dated for several years, but Brad and I have been together for 20 years now. So my life is completely different. Mm -hmm. I've, yeah. Yeah. So we are unalike. unalike. And, and hence the name for the podcast. We are excited to have you with us. Thanks so much for being here. You are listening to episode one of the Unalike podcast. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the good news. The good news. What's good? I'll tell you something good about me. Okay. Okay. So when I was growing up, our family always had a really great garden. Mm -hmm. I remember. (laughs) And we like, we did canning and we would harvest our corn and we always grew a lot of tomatoes and squash and zucchini and rhubarb, like everything. We just grew this really great garden. And so now I'm older and I have children and I'm like, okay, I'm going to grow a garden. So I tried to grow tomatoes and we had bats eat those. And I've tried to grow just a few different things and everything dies. Bats? Yeah. Bats ate our tomatoes. That's still registering bats? Yeah. As soon as I realized that bats ate our tomatoes, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm sure there's a way around this. And maybe you guys have some advice for me how to comment below, please. In the desert, grow tomatoes and not have bats eat your tomatoes. Obviously, I don't know how to do that yet. Anyway, so I've just tried different things and I've tried a lot of flowers and different things like that in my yard. And it's a lot different living in the desert versus growing up and gardening in a mountain town. So here in the desert, things grow differently. But this spring, I my brother was in town for a little while and staying with us. So he helped me plant four rose bushes. And the good news is they are all blooming and they're awesome. And I'm so proud of them. And I keep posting pictures on my social media because I'm just so proud that my flowers are blooming. I know it's nothing huge, but it's like, I did that. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Like I'm a grown up, but but. I'm just proud that I kept trying and trying and trying and finally figured out I can grow roses. I, I, um, I buy flowers every year around Memorial Day. We, We can't put them out until then because of the frost, but I'm always very proud if I make it to the end of August and they're still alive. Yes. All I have to do is water them daily. And some years I make it. Yeah, I'm so I'm just happy right now about my roses. I go out there and check on them every night and I trim them. And yeah, that's my good them? news. Yes, I'm very <laughs> serious about my roses. Wow. Do you wear gloves? <laughs> no, I just grab them. Do I they have should. thorns? Um, I think so. Oh, I really don't know. Don't judge me over gardening, please. <laughs> my uh, So my husband and I just went down to his daughter's house the other day, and uh, they asked us to come down and help with some landscaping, some landscape work. But uh, on the list was to uproot a rose bush. Oh. Yeah. I didn't even know She's that was on the thing. opposite side. She's pulling it out. And oh, okay. um, the thorns were so bad that we were all kind of cussing the rose name by the time we were done. We tied. So <laughs> this bush was so big that we tied a chain around it. Oh, wow. Her husband, her husband's Josh, Josh, Josh climbed up in, um, went around the rose bush, kind of like through the middle of it. And cause we don't want the chain to just come up and over. So he, yeah. he went kind of through and then we wrapped it around the tailgate, uh, the ball. Yeah. Not okay. the tailgate, the yeah. ball. On the hitch. The hitch. Okay. Thanks. And uh, so Widow Brain, here's my disclaimer. Um, widow Brain is a real thing. And I, first of all, I wish what I have been through on no one. It is the most awful thing. But one of the aftermath side effects is that your brain kind of goes and the closest thing I can liken it to for women out there who are listening and watching is uh if you've had a baby and you get mommy brain after you just Mm -hmm. you forget things and you kind of feel dumb because you know you should know this yeah and you cannot remember common sense things well I learned through my journey of widowhood that uh it it's very much a thing for someone who loses a loved one, um, in particular a spouse. And so uh, many of my widow friends have introduced me to this term, widow brain. Interesting. I never, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, I totally know what a truck hitch is, (laughs) but I just called it a tailgate. (laughs) So anyway, back to my story. Uh, Josh, my cute son-in-law is climbing through the 
rose bush and he gets that chain wrapped around. We wrap it around the hitch. <laughs> and then my husband, Dustin, like steps on it. And that's how we You should have had a video of this. <laughs> that's my one miss. I was not videotaping. You cared. should have remembered that because <laughs> that would be some great footage. By the way, though. Our podcasts are all also, if you're just listening to this, they are videos as well. So check these out over on YouTube if you're just listening, because we will throughout the podcast have visuals and different things like that. Or if you just want to look at us for <laughs> for a little while, then join us on YouTube. But there's not would, much going on here, but yeah, we're just hanging out and talking. But just so you know, we are here on YouTube as well. Okay, so some good news. This is something that I came across. You know, we all have the Facebook group for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in my neighborhood, I there's a, a string of grocery stores called Ridley's. And mm-hmm. so I'm just going to read this to you. A, a mom named Sarah wrote in the neighborhood group, and she says, A huge shout-out to the kind employees and people at Ridley's today. I don't live in this town, but shop here often. I was getting ready to pay for my groceries and realized my debit card was gone. I had no other form of payment and panicked, not knowing what else to do. To the generous person who paid for my groceries and let me pay her back once I got home, the cashier who was patient and those waiting in line behind me with smiles instead of frustration, thank you. These simple acts of kindness completely made my day. I love that stuff. And I'm just going to interject something here because I just love these stories. And when I tell you the whole be the good you wish to see in the world, I don't want to tell you this story to make you aware of good things that I do or whatever, because I actually like them to be more anonymous. But a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's going to the grocery stores now is different than it was six months ago. It's It's a whole different experience, and I think a lot of us can feel this way, that when you do go into a grocery store, it's a little bit uneasy. Mm -hmm. You're a little bit on your on edge and on your toes and everything like that. So I don't, I don't know if they're doing this at your grocery store, but in mine, there's arrows on every other yeah. aisle. Yeah. And, and you feel like you're I'm lost. I'm kind of stressed <laughs> because I don't need to go down every aisle, but then I come around the corner and I need this one. And now I'm going the wrong direction. Yes. And that stresses me out. It totally, it's stressful. It's anyways, all that. So we're at the, we're checking out and we're getting ready to pay and we're seriously buying like $3 worth of stuff. (laughs) Nothing like we're buying like a candy bar and a drink or something. So anyways, we go to check out and I didn't want anyone to know we were there. I'm in my pajamas and look like death. And I look over and I notice this man and I might get emotional telling you this, but he's trying to pay for his food and keeps trying and trying and his card wouldn't go through. And then I noticed tears coming out of his eyes. And he said to the worker, he's like, I'm just going to run outside and see if I have some more money and I'll be right back. So right then I just ran over and paid for his food. He has no idea. I don't know who this man is. I will never see him again in my life. But I just went over and paid for his groceries and we left. And I looked around really quickly as we walked out and he was walking back in and just got to experience that moment where he sat there and cried, realizing he didn't have the money and someone had paid for his groceries. So sorry, I get emotional. I don't like to be that way, but I just like, just be good. Do good things. They make you feel better. (laughs) Anyways, no more crying. We told you, did we mention, we'll probably make you cry in this podcast because we like those stories, but (laughs) they're our favorites. Um, Anyways, moving on. (laughs) No, I just, that, that, wow. Thank you. We have some tissues here. <laughs> Speaking of all of that, I will tell you about my <laughs> tissues. <laughs> we'll come back to the tissues. When I um, came across that story, I, w- what I really loved is that she pointed out the people in line behind her, mm-hmm. the cashier who was smiling. You know, when you find yourself in that situation, um, you, I think you panic. Your mind starts to race. You might kind of even start to be a little bit irrational in your thinking just because you're panicking. So your mind's going faster. And so, so all common sense is a little bit out the window, but, um, she pointed out all of those things. The people in line were patient. The cashier continued to smile at her, but then 
the person behind her and and didn't do what you did but and I don't think people need to no 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 and I agree not everyone's in the same situation where they could afford to do that but what I love is she was willing to accept the help yeah and so well on both part on both Sarah but then the woman who paid for her she was willing to um allow the woman to pay for her groceries but then I, I'm assuming it's Venmo because she said they paid when they got home or some some other uh, card paying service. But um, but then that that woman who is unnamed, we don't know her, but mm-hmm. that that woman also was willing to allow her to repay. Yeah, I think that that's very big because in the moment Sarah needed help, and frankly, what the woman did was a world of help. Yeah, absolutely. But, but Sarah was in a position where she could repay her and. So they served each other. Yeah, really. And that's amazing. And it's amazing that she took the time to post that online because we see so much negativity and people only want to share that. That mm-hmm. Share the good. Mm-hmm. People want to see the good. Yeah. So it's yeah. awesome. It's awesome that she would share that good story on there instead yeah. of complaining. <laughs> and thank you for your story too. I, Anyways. I, that came out of the blue. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. So, uh, okay, more funny things that I've been okay. seeing online. Okay. Um, came across a social media post the other day that posed the question, what line are you sharing today or, or what? Okay, so it backs up to 2019. What in 2019 did you think you would never hear in 2020? Oh, wow. This is a lot. And if you're listening, watching, leave comments. We want to hear what you so what's something that you say today that's very normal that a year ago right now would have made no sense whatsoever? I think even the phrase social distancing, I had never heard of. I had never heard so of. So that's a new phrase. I don't know who coined it. I don't either. But now we all know what it we means. We all know. It's like a part of our speech. Mm-hmm. It's a household mm-hmm. term. Quarantine. Six feet apart. He's he's currently uh, quarantining. Quarantine. You'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I would have thought that term meant. I still like, don't know, know what I do. Like, we know what it means, but, but I don't think people quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Where's your mask? Like, um, our kids weren't allowed to wear a mask last year in school at Halloween. Yeah. And now that's what they will be wearing. Like, yeah. Um, one really funny one I thought of, it, like, going to the bank. Hold on, oh, yeah. I can't go to the bank. I don't have my mask. <laughs> It's so it's crazy. It's like the one place where masks are forbidden. Yeah. Historically. <laughs> have you tried? I don't have a face recognition phone, but I guess that would also oh, be a I problem with your phone. I, I guess if it only recognizes your Let eyes. Let us know if that's working. If you have that and if you've tried to face Dustin recognize. Has one, but I but I don't think he's ever done it when he had his mask on. I'll have to ask I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's see what else. Um Carol Baskins. Carol Baskin. That's Never definitely. Heard of her. Have you watched the show? Yeah. Okay. So you now oh, know who oh, she is. There was a really good meme in the very beginning. There was a really good meme that showed a tiger and it said, um, six feet is one tiger with a part. Oh, that's a good way to remember it. Well, we could all remember this year by those things. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what she's talking about, there was a Netflix series that was pretty popular. It was trending on Netflix probably back in March, April-ish, mm-hmm. that was called Tiger King. And it went on and on and talked. It's this whole story. If you haven't watched it, it'll definitely captivate you. It'll and make you go. Your mind will be blown for a little while, and then you'll go back to normal life. But it's about people that have these tiger, like, preserves. And it's, mm-hmm. you should just watch it. <laughs> Let us know what you think. If you haven't already. So, uh, okay, another line, 2020. Does anybody have some toilet paper? <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> or, or better yet, um, I'll trade you three rolls of toilet paper for a bottle of Lysol. Or how about for a little while, we had several restaurants that with every order, you got a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> or... We have a neighbor who was watching the house over the weekend for another neighbor's, for, okay. for a third neighbor, 
And uh, so as a thank you gift, when, when the out-of-town neighbors came home, they gifted neighbor number two with a roll of toilet paper. They probably really appreciated it. She said that to me. <laughs> and I'll tell you why they appreciated it. I actually have a kind of a funny toilet paper story. Okay. So the town I live in, um, we have one Costco. We have a few Walmarts, um, a few other stores, but we were out of toilet paper. Like the town, everybody was sold out of toilet paper. And we were for reals getting low. Like we have like two rolls left and we didn't know what to do. <laughs> um, I would go to the store every day and like it's not going to happen. So I got on the internet. Do you remember all the news that came out that was like, do not put, so they were naming off yes. all the alternatives. Do not put paper towels down the toilet. Or like the flushable wipes. I know they yeah, were saying yeah. they were having problems. Do not put napkins, like kitchen napkins yeah. down the, especially, I mean, we have a, a septic tank, so we're out in the middle of nowhere by ourselves, but if there's a sewer line, yeah. you're clogging the city sewer system. Yes. And if a whole neighborhood's doing that. So or you were almost that, to that level. Yes. So we were almost at the needing napkins level, or we were going to have to go start using the hose or something like Desperate times were setting in here. So I got on the internet and apparently didn't really pay attention to what I was ordering. And I thought I'd ordered some toilet paper and it was going to be like two weeks. And so we, we had enough that I was pretty sure we could survive for two weeks. You're like now at the point where you're rationing We're squares. rationing squares. Like this Brandon, is no you joke. you get three squares because <laughs> yes. you're the littlest. <laughs> it was kind of scary for a little while. Anyway, so I'm tracking my package every day like we all do. And I'm like, yay, finally, the toilet paper is going to be here. <laughs> now, if you're watching, you're going to see exactly what arrived that day. This nifty little thing. <laughs> Oh, I showed you the wrong side. So this nifty little thing, apparently, when I thought I was buying Charmin toilet paper, I bought five toilet cover seats to go. So at least I have that. They're to-go packs also. So you can pop one of those bad boys in your purse and you're, you are set. You just won't be able to wipe. Anyways, so I was but like... you'll have a clean seat. Yeah, your seat it's will not be even, it's, They're not even tissues. No. They're like nothing that would even... They're toilet seat covers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was... I don't know. Anyways. That's awesome. So I got back on. I'm like, we still, need, still need toilet, toilet paper. paper. So I get back on and I order toilet paper again. And it's like, it's going to be like seven weeks before the toilet paper arrives. So in the meantime... And you, did you have to pay way more for it too? Oh, yeah. This was like a $50 toilet paper purchase. And I'm like, this toilet paper better be coated in gold or have like aloe in it so when I wipe it's awesome or something <laughs> like that. Like this toilet paper is going to be awesome. I just know it. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're still running out of toilet paper. Yeah. So I actually had to call my brother who was going to stay with us for a few months. And part of the deal for him to stay with us for a few months was he had to bring toilet paper. So he had <laughs> quite a drive and he stopped at many grocery stores along the way to buy us toilet paper. And I probably shouldn't ever divulge this, but I'm pretty sure he ended up getting us toilet paper at the college bookstore. <laughs> so, but during this time, we're still look like... My package is still coming because, you know, I bought this gold toilet paper. Yeah. So it arrives in this fancy <laughs> little package right here. Now, on even on camera, this does not do justice. These are like Barbie size rolls of toilet paper. Like these are the tiniest little things <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. They, they look like the tape that you put it, that an accountant uses in a yeah. tanky. Yeah, they're kind of like that. They look they're not like that tape. They're not very white. <laughs> Even the rolls themselves. Like, I don't know that they would actually fit, like, on our, you know, the toilet paper holder. Because oh, they're yeah. so little. Like, this is Barbie toilet paper here. So, needless to say, we have not yet opened the gold-plated toilet paper. Do, but someday we will. It? I mean, it costs a lot of money. I know, it did. <laughs> We're going to save it. It's going to be maybe like Christmas ornaments this year, something <laughs> like that. Trust me. I'm pretty crafty. I'll figure something There, out. There will be a day. Mark my this word. will be used. There, no, there oh. will be a day when this is once again worth a lot of money. Yeah. So we're going to save this toilet paper. You can now sell it for $100. <laughs> 
Oh, our store does have toilet paper now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say what, so what? So what? So I do not sew. <laughs> you have. I have. I She's took made a dress. Lessons. I made a dress and wore it. Yeah. I made a bag to carry all my sewing supplies in. Yeah. My mom gave me a sewing machine for Christmas. So you've sewn. I've sewn. <laughs> uh, I do. I, I very much appreciate the sewing industry as well as quilting. It is a world that I was raised in. I have a long family history of sewers and quilters. Uh, I have learned as a grown up, we don't all get the same jeans. And I didn't get those. She has even been to quilt market. So if you know a lot about sewing, she's actually, though she says she doesn't know, she's actually been to quilt market in Houston. I know what a jelly roll is. It's not a body part. I do know it's not a, bo a body part. I, I have some jelly rolls. Um, I know what a fat quarter is. I also have some fat quarters that are body parts, but I know what the but fabric But they're really fabric. Are. Yeah. Uh, no, so I, I do know a little bit more than I claim to. Before we get into this little portion, I just want to say, so this portion of the podcast is called our Say What, So What. So you've worked in media and your degree is in broadcast journalism. Is that correct? True. And... No, that's not true. Mass communication. Mass communication. Okay. She's in communications. That's her degree. So talking, she's very good at it. I sew. That's my career. So that's why she says what? I sew what? So say what? So what? So say what? Uh, it, I'll, I, I have something to share and it made me say out loud. Say what? <laughs> okay. So I let me pull the, uh, my notes. Uh, at Forbes magazine came out last week with the um, America's Best Sports Cities 2020. So oh, I love cool. sports. Yeah. And we, you do too. We both like. We watch the Super Bowl together more often than not. And... Um, I, Usually, my I husband's team's in it. Cheer for my second most liked team. <laughs> so, okay, so I was really excited to see, you know, best sports cities. Well, it, can we just go ahead and say now that I'm a huge Green Bay Packer fan? Go pack! And I'm a Patriots fan. Sorry. <laughs> They at least wear patriotic colors. They do. <laughs> we love them. My husband has been one since he was a child. This probably won't mean anything to you, but when he was a child, he played Tecmo Bowl, which was this crazy video game. And one of his friends told him he had to be the worst team there was. So that's who he chose as a child. And so when he met me 20 years ago, he just brainwashed me. Brainwashed. So She's brainwashed. I'm brainwashed Patriots fan for 20 years now. So we grew up in an area where there are... Um, very few professional sports teams and we, we do have one or two, but, but we don't have a lot within our one city. So, yeah. so I moved away for a few years and I lived in the wonderful state of Wisconsin. Have to give a shout out for everyone there. <laughs> and one of the things that I still, even after five years, I would be like, we have an NFL team 90 miles North. We have That's an awesome. NFL team 90 miles South. We have an NFL team Five to six hours northwest, mm -hmm. Minnesota. We have an NFL team four hours, depending on Chicago traffic, four hours south in Indianapolis mm -hmm. and go around Lake Michigan. And there's another NFL team, the fifth NFL team, all within a six-hour drive over to Detroit. So that boggles my mind. It is, because being in Utah, we're hours. Eight. Yeah, we're eight like an hours eight hours from the closest team. And well... We will have one in Vegas, so they'll be closer. My husband <laughs> is a Raiders fan, and they also have really awesome colors. I look really good in black, <laughs> <laughs> but I love green and gold. So, best sports cities 2020. I don't know these, so I'm super excited to hear what they are. Well, number one, I knew you would have feelings about this. Number one is Boston. Yay. <laughs> okay, so Boston gets credit for having the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, of course, the Red Sox. Yeah. And uh, their oldest team is the Red Sox, who debuted in 1901. Very That's awesome. big city with sporting and go back over Let us know years. if you're from Boston. So I'll just rattle through some of these. The number second team uh, city, Philadelphia. 
They've got several teams. Number three, San Francisco Bay Area. Mm -hmm. So Oakland, um, with the caveat that they're leaving. But Golden State, the the Oakland A's, the 49ers, Mm -hmm. the Giants, San Jose Sharks. So oh yeah, they yeah big area. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four Chicago, number five Minneapolis, number six Dallas, number seven Detroit, number eight Denver, number nine Miami. Okay, I'm waiting for Green Bay, right? Like yeah, you America's city. I'm also surprised you haven't said Dallas. I just did number six. Oh okay, sorry. Number six <laughs> Dallas, number seven Detroit, number eight Denver, number nine Miami. Okay, I'm gonna read through these real quick. L.A. is at 10. Then we've got New York slash New Jersey. Number 12 is D.C. 13 is Phoenix. Can I just pause for a minute? When I think of sports, I'm sorry, Phoenix. I do not think of Phoenix. Yeah, they have the Suns and they have the Cardinals. I know. They have hockey and they have basketball and baseball and football. But those aren't the teams that come to my mind when I think professional sports. I'm sorry, Phoenix. I know you're not too far away. I've even gone to a baseball game down there, but okay, <laughs> that's how I feel. Number 14 is Pittsburgh. 15 is Cleveland. 16 is Houston. Uh, 17 is Toronto. Uh, come on. They're not even in America. <laughs> hey, we like Canadians. <laughs> we like Canadians, but this is the best American cities. Number 18, Atlanta. 19, Charlotte. Number 20, Tampa Bay. Where is Green Bay? It actually surprises Say me because what? I've been to Green Bay and it's impressive. Those people love their teams. The, I made her go on a tour cool. when she yeah. came to visit. She even bought a Christmas ornament. I did. She spent some money there, helped the economy. Okay, so I had to look into this, and this is what Forbes says. Forbes ranking of the best sports cities is based on our fan rankings for each of the four North American professional sports leagues. So NFL, NHL, NBA, and MLB. Well, Wisconsin, the state, has the Bucks, yeah. the Brewers, the Packers. But uh, the Bucks and the Brewers are down in Milwaukee. Green Bay's up north. Oh. And so they give that caveat. They even put it in parentheses. They say... Um, uh, let's see. The assumption being that a city that can field at least one team in every league already has a stronger fan base than a city that can field only one or has lost a team in relocation, a.k.a. Green Bay, with only one professional team. And they make the comparison that you can't compare Green Bay to New York, which has nine teams. Yeah, because it's Green Bay. It's not the Wisconsin Packers. Or... Yeah. Fascinating. So I let me just say... I believe that Green Bay is America's team, but not America's sports city, according to Forbes. We'll have to agree to disagree. We must be very unalike. Say what? (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's how I feel about sports today. (laughs) Anyway. So what? Tell me about sewing. What have you been working on? I've been very busy working on sewing. Um, you probably noticed. <laughs> we have a quilt behind us. So and it's beautiful. It is really fun. I love quilts. That's my job. But my job is actually machine quilting. So if you don't know what it is, when a quilt is made, there's the top piece, there's the middle piece, and then there's the bottom piece. So the top, the batting, and the backing. So the top right here is what you can see. It's what's, you know, if a quilt's laying on your bed, it's what you see. The stuff in the middle is the warmth the batting, and then the stuff on the backing is what would touch your body or your sheets or whatever. So people piece these tops together. Now, I know many of you know what quilting is. I'm just explaining this for those of you that don't, but people piece these tops together, but then they have to also be stitched together. The three layers need something to hold them together. So I teach people, I do this for clients, and I also teach people online how to do that kind of quilting is what it's called. So this right here is actually the class sample from my most recent class. And if you do wanna hear more about these, I have all the information over on my website, which is peaceandquilt.com. But this is what I've been sewing recently. It's beautiful. Thanks. When I look at this, I am reminded, this is not your grandma's quilting. Well, my grandma makes pretty awesome quilts. I actually just quilted a few of them for her. So. It's definitely a different style than what you maybe would have seen several years ago, more traditional hand quilting. This is done 
on a very large machine. You're actually driving the machine, like guiding it around. You're driving it. I call it driving it, guiding, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and and on your sewing machine, I know our quilting friends know this, but for those who are not quilters, you don't sit at your machine. No, so this isn't, you can do what I do on a regular sewing machine when you're sitting down and there are many that do and create really, really amazing results. But the machine that I actually have, it's called a Gamel quilting machine. And it's like on a 10 foot table. It's about 10 feet by four to five feet. And it's this big machine that just freely moves. You move it around and as you move that machine, it takes a stitch. This machine is so big. <laughs> that it fills a bedroom. It's the size of what would fit in a bedroom in a standard home. Yeah, it's a big. And I actually only have my machine on a 10-foot table, which is one of the smaller tables. They actually make tables that are up to 14 feet long. So these machines can get pretty big and pretty crazy. But anyways, that's what I'm sewing. <laughs> so what? So what? So we want to introduce you to someone who has really made a difference in our life or who has touched us, who inspires us. And we're going to be doing this with each of our episodes, um, bringing someone in, interviewing them. And this week, as we roll out this first episode, I thought it was really important to introduce you to this amazing woman next to me. <laughs> and uh, I'm going, I don't know how much she knows about this, but I'm going to put her on the spot a little bit <laughs> and ask her a couple of questions uh, for, for the last few minutes of our show today. Um, to do so, I went behind her back. I found her husband, Brad, and asked him to help me come up with some information about her. So in order to help you know who I am lucky enough to call a co-host on this show, I want to start off by reading a little bit about her. Natalia Bonner has enjoyed piecing quilt tops for more than 20 years. She learned how to quilt on her conventional home machine. She felt good about it, but decided that if she really wanted to take her quilting to the next level, she needed to invest in a long arm machine. In 2007, when she was pregnant with her daughter, she got the crazy idea to quit her job as a dental assistant and become a long arm quilter. Without really knowing what a long-arm machine was, she spent a day at a long-arm dealer's shop and walked out after purchasing a Gamel machine. Natalia's passion for quilting and being creative has grown each day since. Whether it's working on an intense show quilt or a simple baby quilt, Natalia has become a real quilting addict. She teaches at quilt guilds and shows, including Road to California and QuiltCon East, and has filmed TV shows with Nancy Zeman and Jody Davis. She has won numerous awards for her work and has been featured on Moda Bake Shop, in Quilt Maker Magazine, and American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine, and in books such as Fresh Fabric Treats, Modern Blocks, and Sweet Celebrations with the Moda Bake Shop Chefs, Modern Quilts from the Blogging Universe. Natalia is the author of Beginner's Guide to Free Motion Quilting, Next Steps in Machine Quilting, and Visual Guide to Free Motion Quilting, Feathers, co-author of Modern One Block Quilts and Cabin Fever, 20 Modern Log Cabin Quilts. So I am honored to be sitting here today next to the one and the only Natalia Bonner. She has um, traveled to 44 states plus Canada and on a Caribbean cruise where she has taught quilt lessons and quilt classes. She has published the many books that we just named off. She is the creator of five machine quilting rulers and has served on many quilt guild boards. So, wow. I've been busy. I'm exhausted <laughs> just reading all of that. But you have been busy. I have been busy. So this goes back to, um, well, we say 2007, but I know your story began way before that. Um, you were born into a family of quilters. You mm -hmm. mentioned your grandma. I know that that carried on through your mom. Uh, tell us about the early days, maybe when you first picked up a piece of fabric and decided to do something with it. So I always tell people that um, when I was a child, my mom actually owned a custom drapery and home decor store. So they would make custom furniture and draperies and things like that. So I spent many, many childhoods, childhood summers at my mom's store. We called it her shop. And watching the ladies that would sew for her and work there and different things. And 
I was fascinated by the creative process. I'm sure this wasn't the first time that I'd ever sewn. I'm sure it happened in the home before that, but around fifth or sixth grade is when I really, really started learning. And the very first quilt I ever made was there in my mom's shop. I would steal the fabrics. And if you know a lot about fabrics and things like that, our couches and a lot of draperies and stuff are made from a little bit heavier fabric, drapery fabrics, upholstery fabrics, things like that. So these are pretty thick fabrics that honestly, I probably wouldn't tell a child to learn to sew with. Also in my mom's shop, the ladies all sewed on industrial machines. So I would steal the scraps of fabric from them. They didn't match. They were odd. I didn't care, but I would steal those scraps of fabric from those ladies and I used scissors, cut them all into five inch squares, sewed them together, and I entered this quilt into my local fair and I had hand tied it. It was really awful, but I entered it in the fair. Somehow it got entered into the adult division and it won a participation ribbon because everybody gets one and I got one dollar. And I thought it was amazing. I got a dollar for the quilt that I had made. And I've been hooked ever since. So that's kind of where it started. I won a ribbon and a dollar when I was probably in about fifth grade. I, because we grew up in a small town, I know many of your cousins. And one year you gifted each of them. I did. With a framed piece of patchwork. I did. So I've just always been passionate about quilting. And I don't think I even realized how passionate I was, but one of my great grandmothers had made this quilt and it was completely just tattered and torn apart. There was no way this quilt could ever be salvaged. So I actually cut the quilt up into eight and a half by 11 inch size pieces and put a quote in there and a really cool quote, I love quotes, um, about quilts and how they are kind of like our lives, that some of us are tattered and falling apart, but we can all come together and be stitched together. Anyway, so I put that quote in there and gifted them to my cousins and siblings and things like that because even as a child, I was probably 13 when I did that, um, it was important to me. Quilting was something that I've just always valued. It's always just been an outlet since I was a child. One thing that I remember about you from growing up and, and being around each other, um, you loved to draw. I don't know if you've ever, we've never talked about this. I don't know. She doesn't know what's coming out of my mouth next. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this connection, but I remember that you loved to draw houses. Yes. And so she, I, I think we all thought she was going to grow up and become an architect. I wanted to. I thought that being an architect would be so cool because I love homes and I love like going and touring homes and all of that. I just, I love it. But you have to go to a lot of school to be an architect and you have to do a lot of math. But what's <laughs> interesting to me is that the work you do today is very, very, so very. In this quilt, she, she didn't just, well, she did sew it all together, <laughs> but, but this is the same thing as what an architect does. You, you take a shape and you fit it into a space and you figure out how the everything's going to fit together. And ultimately here, you've got a full square, but this one has this shape and this one has a different shape. Mm -hmm. This is the exact same thing that an architect does. Yeah. In a different in a weird way. <laughs> in, a, in a different uh, way. Yeah. Totally agree. It's, it's a creative passion and a creative outlet that's turned into a career that I didn't even know was possible. Sure. <laughs> sure. Who, who knew that there was money in quilting? I had no idea that it could become a career. And I am very thankful every day. I hear that quote all the time that, you know, when you find something you love, you'll never feel like you work a day in your life. And a lot of times I'll get up in the morning and start working at 7 or 8 a.m. And I'll still be working at 10 or 11 at night. And I lay down at night and think, this is really my job. I just worked 16 hours or whatever today. But I really got to do that all day long. Like pretty cool to be able to find your passion and make it your career. So it hasn't all been easy. No. And there was a point, um, I know you've shared this story, you've shared it in some smaller circles and, and I know your audience has grown and we've got people who are watching today who have, have never heard this, but you tell a, a very touching story about an experience you had in high school. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that with us again today. 
I will. And I'm going to paraphrase this story um, in a few different ways. So I am a second child and I am a very typical second child and I'm not blaming being a second child for anything. It's that's my personality. I was born a spitfire. I have a lot of spunk and I was always going to beat to my own drum. So I was raised, my parents told me to go to school, you know, they did all the right things, making me go to school and do all the things. I did not enjoy going to school. As a high schooler, I had a full-time job. I excelled. The career, the job that I had as a high schooler, they never hired a high school kid to do before. So I was always a really, really hard worker, but for some reason, I just could not apply myself in school. It was not my thing. And even after high school, I went on and became certified as an EMT and went through some dental training and different things like that. But I still struggled in those. As a young child, I struggled in school. I had to go to special tutoring and go to, you know, just all of my childhood. I really, really, really struggled with school and education and learning. And now as an adult, I definitely think that's because I'm such a visual person. I need hands-on and I need touch and feel for things to actually impact me. So as a high school student, there were a lot of days that I just did not go to school. I did a lot of summer school and packets and different things like that to even be able to graduate from high school. So right near the end of my senior year, I, I was in a mess and I didn't even know if I was going to graduate. And we went into my high school principal's office and her and I had not gotten along very well over the years. We just always butted heads. So I didn't want to be going in there. It was me, her, my counselor and my dad. And we go into the office and we're all having this meeting and talking about everything. And she stands there and says to me, you know what? You're never going to amount to anything in life. You're just going to end up barefoot and pregnant. Well, don't say that to a 17 year old child. Unfortunately, she did say that to me. And unfortunately, I think for many years, I let that get the best of me and I let that drag me down and I let that um, hurt or help me. I let it make me harbor a lot of negative feelings. And honestly, I think it even made me harbor negative feelings towards the whole entire community that I grew up in for a little while because I've tried to play the victim. So when I finally took a step back and realized, you know what, I'm not the victim of this. If someone else thought that of me, that's her problem. That she, That's how she saw me. Because if she would have looked a little bit deeper, maybe she could have seen that maybe just the traditional way wasn't my way. And there's other ways to talk to a child and teach them to achieve their goals and to find success in other things that aren't just your typical way. And after I kind of started to figure that out for myself and on my own, that I'm not a victim. Everything I have in my life, I've earned, I've worked for, I've created, I've done this. I never realized how empowered I could become by taking something that was so negative in my life and I had used as a negative thing and trying to turn it to, you know what? No, I'm not that. I am better than that. And I'm going to make the world a better place so that nobody else ever has to experience that type of negativity. So, wow. so there's my little rant. <laughs> anyway, so that was kind of, wow, that moment. Wow. Words, word, you know, they say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And, and, and that of course, how untrue that really is. Yeah. Um, I love that you took that and used it as the fire mm -hmm. to do good. Yeah, for many years, it was a fire and it was, and now my fire has turned into just my own passion. But for many years, you know, when my first book was published, I was like, I didn't end up barefoot and pregnant, <laughs> even though I probably really was barefoot most of the time when I was pregnant, but I didn't. I, may, I had the drive to do something for myself yeah. on my own yeah. and I did it. So, so tell us a little bit about quilting and, and where it has gone since 2007. So crazy. It's been 13 years. And after I bought my first long arm, I just started sharing my stuff on the internet. And I a hundred percent, when I started sharing stuff on the internet, I created a blog back when blogs were the thing. So I created this blog 
And I completely thought it was just to share quilts with, you know, my grandma lived in one state. I had a cousin, we were doing like a little sew along that lived in another state. You know, we were all just kind of spread out. So I created this blog and would just create tutorials and post those tutorials in a tutorial, like teaching you step-by-step -step how to make a quilt block or whatever. So I would post those and think that only my family was seeing them. And then I remember this random day getting a comment from somebody and they were like, I'm in New Zealand and I love your work. And I almost like fell off the chair. At first I was like, who is looking at my stuff? What is happening? And then I took a step back and was like, this is amazing. People all over the world can learn from what I'm sharing. And that's a pretty powerful tool that I feel like I've been blessed with. So I've continued to work from there. So I continued blogging, and which led into me writing books. Um, I actually, my first book, when it was published, my publisher had seen my work online and reached out to me and said, we really would like you to write a book. You've done great. And obviously, I don't think I could write a book. You know, remember, take you back a second. Um, I didn't think I could ever write a book, but, it, you know, I wrote one and then I wrote two and three, four, five, ended up having several published through my publisher. And now I've kind of shifted my career from writing books and traveling and teaching to teaching online. So now I teach a lot of online classes. And in the last year, my husband's been able to start working with me. So now we both work and he works He's he's one half of the quilting business and I'm one half and we just work and it's really, really fun and it's fun to be able to find your passion and work at it. Mm -hmm. So and I, and I love that you pointed out that uh, that it doesn't feel like work anymore. It does. You're doing what you love. I really do enjoy it. And, you know, some days I only get dressed from here up and you guys don't know. And that's <laughs> fine. I love it. It's really Awesome to be able to find your hobby and and, and she's smiling and look how big her smile is. Well, I'm so honored to be sitting here next to you and to be working on this podcast together. I know that the work that you do grew from that one little blog. Today, mm -hmm. you manage several social media profiles. Yes, I do. I've got a really active Facebook page with thousands and thousands of followers. I've got a super active Instagram page with a lot of followers. Um, you know, these communities is what I call them when we teach these online classes, these really great communities. And I always tell the people in my communities, my classes that this is like my babies, you know, seeing my babies come to life and create amazing things. It's so rewarding. It's amazing. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And you're on YouTube. Lots of videos on YouTube. We've got, you know, that's where we're sharing probably the most content right now is over on YouTube. So, and my personal favorite, uh, which I'm, I'm not a user at this point, my, um, well, kids are varying in ages, but, uh, but my personal favorite is that you have also gone viral. Yes, I am on TikTok. <laughs> and I should paraphrase that one. Yes, I went viral on TikTok and my husband and I, our kind of little outing is to go on a drive. That's what we do. We just love to go on a short drive. So we created this video and posted it on TikTok. And within a day, it had over 30 million views. And we've never had anything like that. And honestly, I don't even know how to use TikTok. I only follow my child on there. It's the only thing I know how to do. My kid recorded the whole video and posted it and did it all. So I like to tell her that she really went viral, even though it was my <laughs> machine quilting that went viral on TikTok. So it was kind of fun. You know, you never know what happens if you just put yourself out there and really great things can come from it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for letting us dive into your story and learn yeah. a little bit more about you. Um, for those of you who have stuck with us through the hour, we want to say thank you so much. We are so excited to be here and we are so excited to be joining you every single week with a new episode, fresh content. We plan to do lots of interviews and lots, many, many more feel good stories that are going to make you laugh. We promise to make you laugh. Yes. We promise to, um, inspire you, hopefully inspire. We might make you cry. Not intentionally. I might cry too. Not intentionally, <laughs> but I might. But if you can leave at the end of spending your time with us feeling a little bit better than you felt when you arrived, then our job here is complete. 
Yeah, totally agree. So don't forget to follow us on our social medias. My Instagram is Natalia Bonner. And then on Facebook, you can follow me. Um, Also, YouTube is Natalia Bonner. And Facebook is my business, Peace and Quilt. And you can find me, Chriselle Fulmer, on Facebook and on Instagram. And, uh, of course, the podcast. So look for Unalike Podcast on all of the social media pages. And be sure to give us a follow, leave a comment. We want to hear from you. We want to know what kind of... Uh, stories you have to share, what kind of things you want to hear from us. And if you have a feel-good experience that happened and, and you're comfortable sharing it with us, please send that our way as well. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Have a good afternoon, a great evening. See you later. Bye.